Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Today I'm excited. Kim has a guest, I would say in studio, but as a sign of the times, we are not in studio. We're all working remotely. I think most of the country is working remotely at this point. And that is Vicki Posenbotten. She is joining us. And Kim, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you and let you introduce her. Thanks so much, Eric. Um, how are you doing at home? Me? Oh, we, I'm doing yeah. fantastic. It's, it's great. Yeah. You always work at home, so it's. I do. This is yeah. normal for you. Yeah. This is my yeah. This is my eighth year in uh, uh, distancing myself from others. And <laughs> I know you're not an introvert, so I don't know how no. that works for you. <laughs> I, I have outlets, yeah, but uh, we yeah. won't talk about my singing or any of that stuff on this podcast. That'll be for another day. Yeah. Well, you've done that a couple times, but. Yeah, oh, have I? not today. Yeah, you have, you have, <laughs> but we're we're not singing today. I mean, oh, this good. is this is serious business that we're going to talk about today. And All right. yeah, I do, I do have a wonderful local guest, uh, Vicky Pazabon. Uh, but no, she's not here because we are social distancing. So I am at home again with my five fuzzy coworkers mm-hmm. uh, who are all very lazy and sleeping. So. Um, and They're you're not, not talking gonna... about Johan, right? You're no, not, okay. not talking about Johan. Although people who have met him know, if you look on our website, you will see his beautiful, long gray hair. It is, ah. um, we, we refer to that as a business asset. There you go. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. But no, no, my fuzzy coworkers are all very lazy. So they're napping already. All right. But anyway, I, I do want to introduce Vicky. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, Vicki, how long I have known you at this point, but more than oh 10 years. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't know how long we've known each other. But Vicki is, uh, there's two things I would describe her as, a localist and a social entrepreneur. A She is one that we would describe as a social social enterprise creator, maybe. I, I, those are the two things that I would describe Vicky as. How would you describe yourself and what you well, do? I think you, oh, well, thank you, Kim. I think you actually did a very good job in describing me. Um, I am a localist. That is definitely my background and what that means for everyone who's listening and um, anyone who's interested is that I really dig into local economies. And I build systems, food systems, entrepreneurial systems, community systems that support our local economies for keeping money in our communities. And did that for a long time, running a nonprofit organization, which is how we met. And I yeah. started that in 2006. So okay. that was a long time ago. <laughs> yes. And um, I'm now a consultant. I've been for eight years like Eric, have been working from home for eight years um, as a consultant and doing local economy, systems development, and social enterprise development as well. So I work with locally owned independent businesses and social enterprises and nonprofits 
as part of the economic system and how they fit into it, what kind of things are they doing, um, how are they sourcing their products and goods, so on and so forth, and how does it feed into the entire system. And I build networks. So I work with groups of entrepreneurs that are doing that kind of work in different sectors, for instance. Um, so, yeah, that's how I describe myself. That's not yeah. really a elevator pitch. <laughs> it's, it's not your 10-word elevator pitch, no. But it's fascinating no. work, and it's extremely important to our local community. And I, I know you work in a lot of other communities as well. So it's not just here in Santa Fe. It's it's a, a much broader uh, work that you do. So it's it's important. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wanted to talk to you today amongst or amid what's what's going on around our current issues around uh, COVID-19 and what's happening specifically so we could talk about how we not just you and I but our listeners could help our local economies uh, our businesses Mm -hmm. our local nonprofits what can we do personally to help them. Yeah. And then, then there's some other things we'll talk about as well, but let's start there. It's a big sure. question. So it's a huge question. And um, so I think locally, the first thing to do is to call your favorite businesses and say, Hey, are you open? And if they are, what are they doing to keep themselves safe? First off, how are they protecting their customers and keeping customers safe? If they are in fact open and what can you do to help support them? So that may be a restaurant. It may be a local bookstore. It could be um, some kind of service that's essential and is still open. Um, so it just depends. In your community, you know, we're here in New Mexico, um, but there are places all over the country where the, the rules are different in every community. So I think calling them first and finding out what they are doing is number one. And tell them that you support them, because that is key. I have had numerous conversations with locally owned businesses over the past two weeks about all of this. And my reassurance to them, and the only guarantee that I can give them, is that their communities love them. And that they will make it through this in some shape or form. It may not be what they look like or looked like a month ago, but they will get through it in some way. So just reassuring them, I think, is key. Um, the second thing, obviously, support them monetarily. So what can you do? Are, you, are they doing gift cards for advanced purchases, that kind of thing? Some places have chosen not to do that because they don't feel like that's actually going to be helpful because they're dealing with their own issues. Are they even going to be in the same location in a month? They don't know. So find out what it is that they're really doing and ask how you can support them. I think that's number one. Yeah. On that note, I, I heard of someone who called their favorite restaurant and said, I want to order this meal. How much is it? They paid them. And they, then they said, I'm not going to pick it up. So don't make it. I'm just paying you for the meal. It's my favorite. That's very meal. generous. That's very generous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I mean, that's and, so that's a way, way to support them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
but we also want to be cognizant of taking up people's time. So I want to be very clear that the business owners that I have spoken to and I have helped over the last two weeks apply for their small business administration disaster relief loans. They're in major triage mode. They're so freaked out. They don't know what to say, what to do or how to do what they're doing. So I have sort of a hesitation around some of these acts of goodwill because the business owners are completely overwhelmed. Yes. And I want, I want to support them in ways that make sense. So, I mean, that's a great way to set up a fund or, you know, to do something for them. Um, you know, we have, we have little pockets of communities around New Mexico that are being really helpful and supportive of each other. Um, posting things on nextdoor.com about your favorite place. If you heard this information firsthand from the owner, share that information and say, hey, I spoke to the owner. This is what they're doing. Help get the word out for them because they don't have time to market themselves right now. True. So help them spread the word. Yeah. And I personally, this is something that I'm doing uh, because I can. Uh, we have a, uh, a service that cleans our office uh, and I also have someone who cleans my home and I can't have anyone in my home right now because I'm very high risk, but I am paying both of those mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. to do work they cannot do. Uh, one, right. because no one's in the office and, and two, I can't have anyone come into my home, but I am continuing mm-hmm. to pay them. So I would encourage people who can afford to do that to continue Absolutely. to pay people for uh services even if they cannot perform that service so yeah i totally agree and even if it's something like you know your your hairstylist or your barber send them a tip on venmo and just say here's a tip i know i'm not going to see you for a while but i would have given you this tip anyway so here it is you know do something like that i mean all of these people can apply for their own unemployment benefits and independent costs independent contractor benefits and so on and so forth. And I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but yes. it's the little thing that go the extra mile to say, you know what, some extra cash in your account. I'm happy to do that. Exactly. If you can and afford to do it. Some of us are super fortunate. I'm very fortunate that all of my client contracts are intact. So, you know, I feel really good about that. Yeah. And I, you know, the work I do is uh, a fee basis. And so that will continue. It's diminished <laughs> at the moment mm-hmm. because the market is diminished, but it, that's okay. It's still, right. you know, it, it's there, but I, I can certainly participate in keeping our local economies going and, and supporting right. those folks as I can. And I, I do feel very fortunate about that. And Good. I want to encourage others who have that ability to do that as well. So uh, those are certainly ways we want to think about helping our local communities. And we want to help the local, small, independent businesses as much as possible. Absolutely. And it goes even a little extra further into the ripple effect of how else you can help in the communities. So this actually reminds me of when we started doing work with Santa Fe Independent Business Alliance in 2000 four, five, six, when we were in that startup mode, um, you know, it was right after 
and yeah. organizations like mine were popping up all over the country because we heard then from the Bush administration, we have to get America rolling again, which meant shopping, right? Spending money. Yeah. Stimulus checks came and they wanted to spend money. It was all about spend, spend, spend. And the organization was started to keep that money in our community and how it could multiply back into the community and keep us strong. And so when the economy tanked in 2008, our community was pretty resilient because we are so strong with independent businesses and because we were also not a high manufacturing community that a lot of the Rust Belt areas were at that point were dealing with. But the, the ripple effect and the point that I'm getting to is supporting local banks because they are the ones right now, I'm going to try and connect some dots here. They are the ones who are working through the SBA loan application programs. They are the ones who outside of the small business administration are likely to lend to small businesses because their thresholds for getting loans are easier than some of the corporate banks. So, moving your money. We had that big, you know, campaign going on a long time ago. Move your money into local businesses, get it off of wall street, get it into local. So, you know, everything old is new again. (laughs) It's sort of how I'm feeling today. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I feel like the groundwork that I laid for many years doing that work is finally coming around. And here we are on a federal level discussing things. I never, ever would have thought that Congress would be talking about local independent business stimulus packages. It, so, uh, I cannot imagine. <laughs> it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Support your local businesses. It's crazy. Hello. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it, they, they are the backbone of our communities, and they have been left out of the conversation for decades. And here we are. Yes. It's it's quite amazing. And, and these stimulus packages are really focused on small businesses. It's shocking. I am thrilled. Yes. And um, I, I, I'm thrilled and I have fear. So I'm going <laughs> to. Yes. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah. I do yeah. want to talk about that. And I, I don't want to leave out the nonprofit side either yeah. in terms of sure. supporting nonprofits. Cause here in New Mexico, I imagine this is true for a lot of States. We, in New Mexico, our governor has uh, closed down the operation of most nonprofits mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the stay-at-home order and uh, mm-hmm. non-essential businesses. So a lot of nonprofits are hurting, mm-hmm. and we have to also make sure we're supporting the nonprofits that need to continue operating, that are supporting right. the communities, the, the food banks and, and those organizations, and the nonprofits that will need to continue after we go back to work. So what are your thoughts right. on those? Right. So a lot of people have questions about the nonprofits. Well, why do they need to shut down? You know, what are they doing? What? Well, here's part of the problem. A lot of them do direct service to constituents where they have to be face-to-face, or they have had or planning to have in the next, in the past month or in the next month or two, um, fundraising events, Spring is a big time for fundraising events, which are particularly in person. These are, you know, social gatherings for fundraising. Um, They can't do those sorts of things. They can't do revenue generating events like conferences or workshops 
or whatever that they were doing, if they're arts-based or health-based. So that's part of the reason why these nonprofits are starting to hurt so bad. And because the market declined so quickly with the coronavirus spread, as you know, in the investment world, philanthropic dollars are now very restrained. So there's a, a lot of fear for the nonprofits of how are they going to raise money from major donors or foundations whose investments are now in jeopardy in in the um, market. So that's a big problem. So I'm grateful that the SBA loans for the first time ever are al- are eligible for applications from the nonprofit world, which is a huge thing. And also extremely complicated. The whole thing has been unrolled in a, it's a mess. Um, And it's been a mess since the day they announced it and people started scrambling to apply. The forms weren't correct on the federal site. They've had to reapply. The banks have said, whoa, everybody wait. And then it was opened up this past Friday and everyone rushed ahead. And the corporate banks were the first in line as SBA lenders, and they've already closed applications because they can't handle it. Millions and millions of people across the country are applying for these things. So there's a couple of different loans that are available. It's the um, Payroll Protection Plan. It's the Paycheck Protection Plan, um, which you can apply for, and it is a forgivable loan if it's used to reinstate employees for up to eight weeks after opening um, and used for rent and mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, utilities. And um, that's a really important one for nonprofits to apply to because what they need to do is retain their payroll. In New Mexico, especially, the nonprofit sector is the third largest sector of employers, of employees, rather, in the entire state. I did so not without know that. our nonprofit, yeah, it's huge. Healthcare, government, nonprofit. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the PPP is a, a really great program for people to apply to. It is, in fact, pretty simple to apply to. There are some calculations for the actual payroll amount, um, but it is pretty simple, and that's on the SBA website at sba.gov. And then the other is the um, EIDL, which stands for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And this was already a loan that was in place for things like, you know, flooding disasters, hurricane disaster, et cetera, et cetera. What they did is they expanded the law and they changed one of the loan mechanisms. And so now um, it's an expansion. And um, under that loan businesses could also apply for a $10,000 advance that doesn't have to be paid back as part of the loan. Even if you are denied the loan, you can still have that $10,000 as a grant. And so that is one to consider applying for as well. And you can also do that through the SBA website. It's a super simple 10-minute thing to fill out. And then they review it, and you would have to talk to a local bank lending SBA loans to continue further along the path to apply for that loan. And I think you can apply, let me check my notes here. Um, 
you can borrow up to $2 million at an interest rate that's not to exceed 3.75%. So, you know, we do have some businesses that could qualify for that. Um, It's for employees of 500 or less. So, um, you know, that's available. And again, it's something to just get in line for. My concern is that money is not rolling out quickly. And my concern is that money will run out fast when it actually does get distributed. I think it will run out fast. I think so many people are applying for these. And I did read today that Wells Fargo had shut down applications. And I imagine many of the other banks will be following suit. Although there is talk that in two days, they will be voting to add more funds to this. But who knows how fast that will go. So Right. And I think they're adding um, like $200 billion to the fund. Yeah. So it, it, hopefully that will go through. Now, the, the pecking order for the banks was big corporate banks. And what they did, Bank of America was not a lender of the SBA program before this happened. And Bank of America immediately said, yes, we'll become a lender immediately. And they were one of the largest uh, with Wells Fargo and a number of the other corporate banks to start accepting applications right away. And then it will open up to what there are considered community banks, which are, you know, our smaller banks in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And then it gets opened up to the credit unions and CDFIs, which are the community financial development institutions. So there's a pecking order to how the application system is opening up. So if you're banking with our beloved local banks, you sort of just have to wait and get in line. That's unfortunate. Interesting. And you have to go through the bank that you bank with as a business, correct? Yeah. Interesting. Um, you you do if they are a lender of, uh-huh. of these loans. So if your bank is not a lender, there are others in your community that you can go to. Mm-hmm. They that have to be a, an SBA qualified lender. Yeah. It's a very interesting process. So if you are banking mm-hmm. with the odd bank that doesn't... Uh, isn't an SBA lender, then you just have to wait until another bank has availability to to work with their non-customers. Right. They're going to give first priority to their customers. Yes. So you have to start there. And then, you know, if they're not lending, then who do you go to? I I would recommend if your personal account is at a lending bank, go there and say, hey, I have a business, but it's with a different bank. How do we do this? Help. Somebody help. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the part of the problem is that the bankers are just as overwhelmed. I mean, they're stuck in the middle of this whole thing. Oh, absolutely. So it's really overwhelming. And I just decided a couple of weeks ago, okay, learn as much as you can about this and serve my clients and the nonprofit sector as quickly as possible by providing some good information. Because I I spoke with a a business last week and they said, we can read all of this, but it's literally not sinking in because we don't, uh, we have so much other stuff to think about and we don't think about business this way. I said, I totally get it. You know, (laughs) a business shouldn't have to spend a week researching this, (laughs) you know? Exactly. Yeah. Not when you're already in crisis mode. (laughs) 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's in a very interesting time for everyone just trying to deal with your personal health and your family and worrying about your business on top of that and your neighbors and what's going to happen with the economy. There's just so much stress for everyone that yeah. we can't, we simply can't do it all. So being able to rely on someone like you who has this knowledge to, to help the small business person or the nonprofit organization is, is a great relief, I believe. So thank you. Thank that. you. Yeah. yeah. It's um, doing my part and um, you know, it, this is all best of my interpretation from what I have gleaned, and I'm attending as many webinars as humanly possible. <laughs> Zoom uh, time. It's a, it's overwhelming. Uh, I, yeah. I, I spent a lot more time on my computer working from home than I ever realized was possible. So it's... <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. Well, any yeah. last pieces of advice for listeners in, in terms of uh, anything else you've thought of in, in terms of helping our, support our local economy and our, our local businesses? Anything else pop into yeah, your head? I think on a, on a real like emotional connection of human beings and what we're all going through right now, it's really important to just be kind and smile <laughs> at each yes. other. Like when your grocery store clerk is having a meltdown, maybe be supportive. You know, it, it, it's a really rough time and we're all feeling it. Business owners, workers, everyone's been laid off or let go or, you know, everyone's in fear mode. So I feel like the more we say, it's okay, I get it, the better off we are. That sounds like great advice. We can't hug each other, but we can say thank you and we can smile. So, yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Vicki, I want to give you an opportunity also to tell our listeners uh, anything else you want to tell them about your business. I know you have a great newsletter. Tell them how they might subscribe to that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a website. It's vickipozabon.com. It's V-I-C-K-I-P-O-Z-Z-E-B-O-N.com. And um, I have blogs on there and I have a sign up for my newsletter right on my news, right, right there on my website. And um, a new newsletter will be coming out soon, I think by the end of the week. So um, get on there. I also am on Twitter, LinkedIn, and um, I have a Facebook group called Local Social Good. And if you're interested in um, hearing more about all of this, I've been posting in that Facebook group called Local Social Good. Yes, I've been following that, which has uh, very, been very interesting. So I appreciate that. Great. Thank you so much for being on today and sharing Thank your thoughts. You. And also just giving us some tips for supporting our local economy. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Kim and Vicki, this was, this was fantastic. Vicki, thank you so much for being here. And Kim, of course, thank you for bringing her on. And I want to thank everyone that's listening for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with friends and family. Now, we would like to take just a moment to thank our sponsors. Yes, we have two sponsors today. 
The first sponsor is Green Century Capital Management. They are proud to be the home of the first family of fossil fuel-free, responsible, and diversified mutual funds in the U.S. By investing in responsible corporations, Green Century enables individuals to align their investments with their values. Green Century also houses an award-winning shareholder advocacy program that directly presses dozens of companies every year on sustainability practices. Green Century is the only mutual fund in the U.S. wholly owned by environmental and public health nonprofits, and 100% of the profits earned managing the Green Century funds belongs to them. Our second sponsor is Calvert Research Management. Calvert is the global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds, encompassing active and passively managed equity income, alternative, and multi-asset strategies. With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, the firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices, and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. Thank you to our two sponsors, Green Century Capital Management and Calvert Research and Management. Again, I also want to thank our sponsors and you for tuning in and listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661 don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available the companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation horizon sustainable financial services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of new mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.